podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, and this is your host, the real Ed Oliver. And today we have special guest Sam Ferris from at Draft Dummies on Twitter. It's D R A F T D U M M I E S. And I just want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. And Sam, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Got game one of the finals tonight. We're recording on Thursday. So looking forward to that. But always have eyes on the NBA draft. And that's less than a month away now, too. So for us that cover the draft, it's kind of full steam ahead. And it is one of the best times of the year for us, for sure. Definitely. So today we're going to get into Johnny Davis. He did have a workout with the Washington Wizards today. He said it was a very high intensity workout. and Towards the end, we may get into a little bit of Kofi Coburn and Gene or John Montero. They're reported to be working out with the Washington Wizards as well. Um, they are going to be second-round picks. Johnny Davis, you know, he's projected to be in between pick six or in between or even to pick 20. Where do you have Johnny Davis in your big board? Rafael Barlow has Johnny Davis above Shade and Sharp. Oh, uh, really? Do you, yeah, do you agree with that take or where do you have Johnny? Um, I don't have him above Shaden Sharp. I have him right square at number 10 on my big board. Uh, in terms of just the quick comparison with Sharp, I just I just value Sharp's upside, the athleticism, the scoring tools that he has at that age, and just how he played in college or in high school before college. Uh, it is a bit of an unknown because we didn't see him play at Kentucky, so we are relying on those priors. But I know we want to focus more on Johnny Davis. And to me, he is one of the most intriguing prospects in this class. And it's kind of funny because I uh, I get a lot of things wrong. But one of the things I was right about was that I was really high on Johnny Davis coming into this past season. Uh, kind of one of the few people talking about him. And, and then he blew up even more than I anticipated. And uh, I would say kind of, in the middle of the college basketball season, he was being talked about as a top five or six guy. And then he cooled off a little to end the season. But just starting with kind of the generals on him, he's 6'5", six, 6'6"-ish six, six combo guard, played at Wisconsin, played two years there. And I would say the number one thing that stands out to me is he was an insanely high usage guy, had to do pretty much everything for a pretty mediocre Wisconsin team. But the cool thing about that was a lot of times you'll see high usage guys uh, not really help on the boards or not really help on defense, but his all around game, the effort that he put into every aspect of the game where he was top five in rebounding in the Big Ten, which, you know, if you follow college basketball, you know, the Big Ten is kind of dominated by the bigger centers. So to finish top five in rebounds while also being an outstanding defender on the perimeter while also carrying such a huge burden offensively. So the sales pitch with him is the all-around game with decent size at around six foot five, close to six foot six, plays kind kind of that combo guard position. 
Right. The rebounding definitely stands out. I mean, he's already got a Taco Bell commercial um, that's circulating <laughs> yeah. around on TV. Yeah. Um, and you brought up some background on him, you know, Wisconsin guard, six foot six, Big Ten player of the year, was all Big Ten, was all American, averaged 19.7 points per game, 8.2 rebounds per game, like you brought up earlier. Him being six six and averaging eight rebounds per game is insane. Uh, 2.1 assists per game, 30% from the three point line, which, you know, is somewhat of a concern. 79% from the free throw line, which is fine, which is about average for a shooting guard. 42% from the field. So I did want to start about – I want to talk about his defense first and foremost. The Wizards were ranked 25th in defensive efficiency. Um, Bradley Bill, who is um, somewhat of a player at GM, said this offseason he's looking for dogs. He's looking for taller guards as well. And I think that Johnny Davis does fit that description. Um, but where do you see – where do you rank him defensively in this class? Um, between I know Benedict Matherin is one of the top defensive guards. Where do you have Johnny Davis ranked defensively? Uh, I would have him above Matherin defensively. Let me just pull up my kind of rankings right now to go through it. I think he's certainly one of the best defensive guards right now. He's better than Ivy. Jaden Ivy has the tools there, but I, Davis is better at this point. He's better than Matherin on the perimeter. Uh, he's certainly better than Branham. Uh, he's Dyson Daniels is the one guy that's really rising because of this point, because at 6'8", he can guard multiple positions. So he's the one guy that you might slide a slot ahead of them. Uh, one other piece of information that your listeners, I'm sure, will be interested to hear is, you know, I thought, and a lot of people thought he might be kind of closer to six foot four, uh, and that was a little worrying. But then at the combine, he measured and he measured close to 6'6", but what's really interesting is his measurements were almost exactly in line with Devin Booker, which I think is interesting. That's a guy he's been compared to a little bit because he does have that mid-range shot creation off the bounce. It's something he had to do for a Wisconsin team that didn't have a ton of offensive options outside of him, so he can do that. And more than anything, it was just kind of relieving to see that he was actually 6'6 instead of 6'4. So I think he'll do a really solid job in general guarding most ones and twos. Does a good job getting around screens. Uh, like you said, they're looking for kind of a dog on that perimeter to take on some of the tougher assignments. I think he can do that. He's also strong for a guard, especially at his age. And so I think he does fit that profile. Definitely. I see a lot of breakaway stills that he got um, showing off the athleticism, showing him getting in, into the passing lanes. Uh, I just see a gritty defender when I see him play. Um, the 37 points versus Purdue, and I thought he did a solid job defensively against Jaden Ivey as well. Um, how do you see his point of attack defense? The Wizards were just not good defensively. Um, Dinwiddie was Spencer Dinwiddie was somewhat of a turnstile, and Hollow Nettle was just too small. He was six feet playing point guard. I'm trying to defend. So how do you see Johnny David? Do you think do you think he's able to guard ones and twos and threes? How do you see him matching up in the NBA? Yeah, I think he should be uh he should be suited to guard ones and twos and I think a lot of threes due to being 66 and pretty strong, but uh taking a quick look at the roster, I mean KCP solid defensively. Outside of that, like the guys you mentioned, he certainly clears those guys defensively. Uh the Neto and uh who else did you mention? No, uh, don't you mentioned Din 
Uh, you mentioned Did Whitney, who got traded anyway. Bradley yeah. Beal has been kind of underwhelming, but I think he steps in. He can be a guy that you put on the ball defensively. It's hard to really expect too much defensively as a rookie. Most guys coming in just aren't aren't ready to take on that role. But I think certainly by year two, he would be the Wizards' best like on-ball defender if he were to be drafted in Washington. Right. All right, so that's that's encouraging there defensively, but I, I do want to get to some of his offensive game. Uh, but before we do get to that, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Um, I just got the birthday cake puff Built Bars in the mail, and they taste really, really good. They're almost my favorite next to the cookies and cream Built Bar. Uh, but you want to check out the Built Granola Bars. They come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate, peanut butter, cho- and chocolate coconut and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. With 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar, Built Granola Bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code for a better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch. Take on the road to eat as a snack, and they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars. Three delicious flavors to try. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. You've got to get yours today. Go to Built.com to get Built Granola Bars now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, all caps, LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And we have an important favor to ask you. We've been putting together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of the 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for your help. All right, so let's get into his offensive game. So Johnny Davis, um, you brought up the usage rate where it went up, and his surround, his supporting cast didn't knock it down a lot. So you know, it's Brad Davidson, Davidson mm-hmm. out there. Um, I don't think anybody else from Wisconsin is is um, really projected to get drafted. I'm not sure about. It. Is there anybody else on the roster? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. So how do you see his offensive game trans? His shooting translating. I know that's a concern. He shot 30 percent from three. Do you see um, opportunities for him to improve on that? Or do you see his shooting being uh, somewhat of a concern for him coming into the draft? So it is a little bit of a concern because we talk about this with so many prospects that the swing skill is just how well do they end up shooting the three to what level does the jump shot really come along? That really determines the outcome of so many prospects. And that's been the case for a long time. But in terms of understanding his offensive game and efficiency, you have to understand the context that you were kind of describing at Wisconsin, where, you know, Chucky Hepburn is a solid freshman point guard they had, and then Brad Davison, another shooter that's been around a while. Other than that, it was basically kind of bigs that clogged the middle and just not a very advanced or spaced offense that really helped him out too much. And he was asked, Like you said, we've quoted the usage rate, like 33% just had the ball in his hands all the time, had to take a ton of kind of uh, end of shot clock bailouts. And because of that usage, because of the load, he really kind of wore down towards the end of the season 
it was just too much to put on his plate and he ended up kind of getting banged up and injured at the end of the year. So the way I look at it is if you look at his splits before the injury, before the wearing down. So through the first 24 games of the season, he slashed 45, 33, 71, which is pretty solid considering the role. But then when the injuries hit and he wore down physically, the final seven games, he really kind of fell off a cliff where he slashed only 33, 23, 86. And then to to further illustrate that point, like he is a good athlete, but it was just sapped towards the end of the season. So if you look at the number of dunks he had, he had 16 dunks all of the college season, but every single one happened in the first half of the year. And he only had one dunk attempt in the second half of the year after having 16 in the first half. So all those kind of numbers lead me to believe that he did kind of wear down due to the role, due to the usage over the second half of the year. So I think we should keep in mind that when healthy at the beginning, he was one of the best players in college basketball. And that Wisconsin team that he carried, he carried them all the way to a three seed in the tournament. And outside of him, they like had absolutely no business being uh, in that spot uh, to where he carried them. Probably a borderline tournament team without him. Right. Yeah. He, he definitely put the team on his back. There was one game where I watched it was against Michigan where it was the Jawan Howard altercation game where mm-hmm. he got the ball in the high posts. He went to the right and scored. And then he got the ball again on the next possession of the high post, used his left hand and scored. So I love that. He could use both hands, you know, scoring. He's ambidextrous, his left and his right. He's a great high post player. Um, So it will be intriguing to see how that translates as a shooting guard. But I want to ask you about his fit on the Wizards. You know, we have Bradley Bill, who is a shooting guard who has somewhat of a similar game as Johnny Davis. You know, Johnny Davis, I mean, Bradley Bill does post up as well. Very high usage rate the last couple of years for Bradley Bill, especially this year. Bradley Bill was playing point guard. Yeah. at certain points this year. Um, so how do you see Johnny Davis fitting on the Wizards? Do you think this is a good fit for him coming in to, next to Bradley Bill? Because most likely he'll have to be an off-ball player. And like you said, he had a very high usage rate, and that's when he was at his best at Wisconsin. How do you see him fitting with the Washington Wizards? Yeah, I think the fit should actually be really good because as a freshman, he played amongst like all seniors the year before and was able to fit in. And like it was more out of necessity that he had to carry such a load because they just didn't have any other creators. I actually think in the NBA, I don't really see him as like a primary on-ball guy all the time. Like I don't see him as that guy that can carry the same load that he carried last year. So I actually see him fitting in better as a guy that can handle the ball, that can take some of the ball handling duties. But also I see him playing well off of Bradley Beal And then on the defensive side of the ball, he can take some of that pressure off of Beal by taking the tougher assignment among the other team's guards that they're playing against. So I think on both sides of the ball, they should complement each other. But it does come back a little to just how well is Davis going to shoot in just a spot-up role? Because, yes, he can use the slashing when Beal creates the advantage, kicks it out to him. Like, he can slash to the rim and score But at the same time, he's going to have to hit spot ups well enough to be playing off the ball. I think he can do it, but that's kind of the main question with him. Um, A guy that I see as being somewhat similar to him is Jalen Suggs from last year. And I love Jalen Suggs, but unfortunately, he just really struggled to shoot the ball as a rookie. 
And so sometimes it's just hard to assess how well they're going to shoot. And that's in today's NBA, uh, if you're going to play the guard spot, especially off the ball, you need to be able to knock down that jumpers. And that's kind of the question with him. Definitely. Yeah. Him, Jalen Suggs played quarterback in, in high school and Johnny Davis played quarterback in yeah. high school as well. So that's where they had the similar, that's where they both get that aggressiveness and that point of attack, yeah. that dog as you, as, as uh, quote unquote, as you can say, uh, because the good thing about that too, is that Johnny Davis, if he's not shooting the ball, well, he's not just, you know, a one skill guy, at least he's going mm-hmm. to go out there and rebound and defend. So he did average eight and a half rebounds per game. Do you see that translating to the NBA? Is that a testament to how, aggressive and gritty that he is yeah I think it's definitely a testament to the grittiness the strength uh, and just the instincts on the boards because certainly as a guard he's going to get some uncontested rebounds but if you're finishing top five in the big 10 like I said with eight and a half per game as a guard like you got to have instincts there were certainly at least some contested rebounds that he got in there so I think that translates and I think it's interesting because one thing I believe there have been some studies. I I don't, I can't quote them exactly off the top of my head, but just the instincts to rebound. A lot of people do believe, and I'm one of those people that the ability to rebound as a guard, just to have that feel for the game is a good indicator of a player's overall basketball IQ and feel just that correlation of understanding angles. Where's the ball coming to, uh, my role in my position on the team. And so I think the the rebounding itself will translate, but it also indicates to me that I think he has that toughness and a little bit of that feel and IQ that's going to be necessary to succeed at the next level. Right. And uh, how do you see him as a playmaker? The Wizards are looking for a point guard. I have seen some mock drafts or actually the ESPN mock draft where they had him listing as a point guard slash shooting guard. Um, do you see him being capable of becoming a playmaker in the NBA or, or playing some somewhat some sort of a role as a point guard in the NBA? So I definitely don't see him as like the main playmaker, especially for others on an NBA team. I wouldn't say that passing is one of his main skills. Uh, he's more of kind of a shot creator for himself. And then if there's an obvious window to kick out or drop off, he can make it. But he's not making advanced reads per se. He's more He is more of a scorer offensively. And so I do view him as like a combo guard because he can handle, he can create off the bounce, but not enough, at least early on in his career for sure. I don't see him as like your primary on-ball guy that's going to be running all the pick and rolls and creating for others. That's not really quite the role I see for him early on. I think he's going to be that secondary guy, like we talked about, that can play off of a Beal. Right. And Tommy Shepard, the Wizards GM, was quoted to say that rookies and young guys, that not a lot of these guys crack the rotation. Um, but on the other hand, you know, Denny did. Denny Avdia started his rookie season, Rui started his rookie season. Corey Kispert started a lot of games. So do you see Johnny Davis cracking the rotation early on any team in the NBA, especially with the Wizards? Do you see him? Could you see him starting? Or do you see him like a James Booknight where James Booknight barely played this year? And I'm, I'm not sure James Booknight played in the G League, but James Booknight was a top you know, lottery pick. So uh, what, what are the differences you see between those two guys that have somewhat similar skills? They're both scorers. Um, do you see Johnny cracking a rotation his rookie season? And, and what do you see differences between uh, James Booknight and how that went with his rookie season? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I would say 
I don't know that he starts. I would imagine like Beal and KCP would start next to each other, probably. But the difference, the main difference, you know, we've kind of hit on this, but uh, the way that I think about it, and you hear a lot of coaches say the same thing is, as a young player, you get on the floor, you earn minutes with your defense, and then you stay out there with your shot making, right? With the offense. So kind of the way I view it, and I think most coaches do, is you earn your minutes with the defense. Uh, and I think, like we've talked about, the defense, the rebounding, kind of the ancillary aspects of his game that he brings will help earn him minutes. And then the extent to which he plays offensively will determine just how many minutes he gets. Um, but I do definitely think because he's ready to defend, to rebound, to play a team game, I think he's certainly going to get minutes, especially if you're drafting him in the lottery, then you're you're planning on playing him as a rookie. And the difference with Book Knight is he was a scorer, uh, but he did not bring that level of defense or rebounding just from a high-level view. And so I definitely much prefer Johnny Davis as a prospect. I was... I was lower on book night coming in because of the defense, the rebounding, basically everything else outside of scoring. And I think so Davis kind of has him in all those other categories and that should help him get minutes early on. Right. Um, yeah, he, he brings a lot to the table and the wizards need defense really badly and they need guys that can come in and create shots for themselves. Um, what are the red flags about Johnny Davis's game? Why has he fluctuated from a top, six pick 220 what are the red flags about his game other than the three-point shooting yeah so I think what happens because we're all so obsessed with mock drafts and with big boards and a lot of people like myself are focused on the draft pretty much year round and this kind of happens every year where we kind of like know the top four or five picks and then after that people are like filling in like and it can fluctuate from week to week, depending on how a guy plays. So, you know, I quoted the stats. I think the first 24 games, Johnny Davis was like just dominant and putting up really good splits. And so because of that, there wasn't really anybody else that was standing out in the class at that point. And so he kind of was hanging in that five, six range on most people's boards and mock drafts. And then because of the injuries, because of the drop in efficiency towards the end of the season, and because uh, he, they ended up losing in the tournament, didn't make it towards the end, um, that people kind of maybe a little overvalued the end of the season and put too much stock into that. And so that's why you kind of see the fluctuation was, it's just kind of the week-to-week -week reaction with guys during the season. And I think now that the season's over, people might be focusing a little too much on the bad finish to the year where the first two thirds of the year, he was really, really good. And that's when he was healthy. So that's where I'm putting most of my stock. Um, so there are people that are higher. Like you mentioned, Raphael that I work with, I think has him a little higher. I've got him 10. And just the reason is I kind of buy everything, but I just am a little worried that the spot up jumper is not going to be great. And it's not just the percentage. It was when the shot started to not go in with him, you could see him lose the confidence. You could see him hesitate. He wasn't pulling the trigger at times when he was open. And also I look at, apart from uh, the percentages, like what do the misses look like? 
because for him, misses could be all over the place, a couple like off the backboard, different parts of the rim. Generally, if a guy's missing in the same spot, it can be just one tweak and then it's an easy fix for the jumper. With him, it was a little bit more, the results were a bit sprayed. And so that combined with him losing a little confidence, it, in other words, the jumper is just kind of my only worry with him. And if it doesn't hit, if it doesn't hit, if he doesn't end up shooting well enough, then it's even with providing the defense and the rebounding as a guard, you just kind of do need to be able to shoot in the NBA to make it and to return, you know, top 10 value in the draft. Right. Yeah. So you have Johnny at 10. So other guys that are struggling to shoot threes are Dyson Daniels and Jeremy Sohan. Just quickly, where do you have those? Do you have those guys above Johnny Davis? Yeah, I have, uh, no, I have Dyson Daniels just below Johnny Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, at 13. I am a, a Jeremy Sohan guy. I have him at eight. So just two spots higher than Davis. But the, the main difference with those guys is the size where Jeremy Sohan is like the size of a four. I think he didn't measure, but he'd be about six, nine with like over a seven foot wingspan. And so he's like the size of a guy like Scotty Barnes last year, where Johnny Davis is closer to a James book night in terms of size. And then Dyson Daniels is kind of in the middle where he's almost six, eight. So with him, you can see the ability to guard multiple positions. And one thing I believe about projecting defense to the next level. And I think if you go back and study the draft, you'll see that this is the case that that length is the most important indicator of how good a guy is going to be defensively. You just need length to contest and play against some of these stars in the NBA. And so Davis at six foot six, like that's solid. Like he's going to be able to guard ones and twos, but Daniels and especially Jeremy Sohan have that ability being bigger players to switch across more positions, which is so valuable. You know, we've seen in the playoffs, the, the value of defensive versatility and those guys probably just do bring it a little bit more. Right, yeah, because I know Jeremy Sohan, he missed a lot of threes off the backboard, and he struggled from the free throw line. Yes, yeah, he's definitely a worse shooter than Davis. It's just the, <laughs> si- the size difference is kind of the main component there. Right. All right, um, two more questions, and then we'll wrap up. We'll probably get to Kofi Coburn on, a, on another time, uh, and right. G- Gene Montero. But um, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, where, do you, where do you have Johnny Davis as a prospect compared to Denny, Rui, and Corey? Um, coming out of the draft, where did you have Denny and co- compared the, your consensus? Did you do you have Johnny above those guys? So definitely had him above Rui and definitely above Corey Kispert, about the same range as Denny. So pretty oh, wow. similar to Denny and above the other two. Um, I, I I hate being harsh on the Gonzaga guys. I'm from Spokane, so <laughs> I, I'm a Gonzaga fan, but wasn't as high on them as prospects and. It's kind of an interesting point because you look at those three guys that have been the last picks. They're all kind of wings, like three slash four. Kispert's more of a three, but, you know, kind of in that three, four range. And so I'm I'm wondering and kind of excited to see, you know, if a guy like a Keegan Murray or maybe another three, four type guy is in there. Did they pick another guy that that frankly is going to be fighting for minutes with all their other young players, or do they draft more of either a center or a guard? Because if they do draft like another wing in that same mold, then it's going to be 
guys are going to be fighting for minutes and development opportunities. So I think that's one interesting thing with the Wizards that I'm going to be looking out for on draft night. Right. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a log jam. I feel like they should consolidate and make a trade. Um, yeah. Get some value, especially with contract years coming up for Rui. And um, Denny's contract year is not too far away either. So you want to get the most out of your lottery picks. Uh, but lastly, um, who who is a fair comparison? Not sure if you like doing comparisons. I know some people feel certain ways about doing NBA comparisons, but uh, who are some comparisons that you see to Johnny Davis? So I've kind of mentioned two of them a little bit indirectly throughout Devin Booker, and I'm not comparing him to Devin Booker. I don't expect him to be that level of offensive player. But in terms of just the physical profile, I just wanted to reiterate that exact same measurements. And so that's kind of the size of the guy you're getting. But uh, Jalen Suggs, the second guy I mentioned to me, is kind of the guy that I view him as most similar to. Um, I think Suggs is a little bit more explosive. And I I definitely preferred Suggs as a prospect because he was younger and he was so good as a freshman. But I think I do think Davis... Hopefully, I do believe can shoot it a little bit better, but that's kind of the question with both those guys. And Davis does have an inch or two on him as well, which is also important. But in terms of the player profile, I think that would be somewhat similar. There's nobody else like off the top of my brain that's coming to me. It's always a little bit difficult to, that's why I like to break it up in terms of like, the physical profile and then maybe certain aspects of their game that kind of remind me of other guys. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I've seen um, some people say Josh Hart. I don't know about that one. I've seen uh, Chris Duarte. I could kind of see Duarte a little bit just because of the aggressiveness. I know Duarte is a better shooter, yeah. but just the defensive aggressiveness. I could see that um, and how competitive they are. Um, I've heard Devin Booker a lot for sure. Um, so I, I think all yeah. of those would fit. And I, I think at worst, and KCP's not a bad player, but I've seen uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope as well, just that 3 and D kind of guy. Yeah, Josh Hart would be one where, uh, you know, I kind of like to break it out by outcome. Like, let's say he hits like a, a 30 or 40th percentile outcome. So, like, not a great outcome. He doesn't really hit as much as we'd expect. To me, if it's like below average outcome for him, that would maybe kind of look like a Josh Hart where – you know, solid defensively can really rebound for a guard and a good team player. But that'd be the case if like the offense doesn't really come around to the extent that we would expect. And then Devin Booker would be like the awesome A plus outcome for him offensively. All right. And lastly, what should make Wizards fans excited about Johnny Davis? They they interviewed him at the combine and then now they just had a solo workout. So what should make Wizards fans excited about Johnny Davis? Uh, a couple of things. Number one, we've talked about, we've used the word, the dog with him. He brings that. I think that's honestly something that the Wizards could use a little bit of. And so I think he brings that. And also, number two, the improvement that he made from his freshman to sophomore year. You know, we like to say, look at the development trajectory that a guy's on. And his is pointing up. Uh, he made such a big leap from that freshman to sophomore year. And he's still pretty young for a sophomore um, so if he can make another leap like that, then we're talking at, about a player that it's going to be very exciting to have as part of your core moving forward. And frankly, if the Wizards do draft him at this point, then I would definitely view him as uh, the most prized young piece, the best prospect on the team at this point in time. Like I said, I had Denny and him similarly, um, but 
I wouldn't say he, Denny's been a real disappointment, but I think at this point, I would say Davis's upside uh, at this point would be th- probably the greatest on the team in terms of the young guys that the Wizards have. Definitely. Yeah. Denny, um, I know he's projected to be the steal of the draft. Um, I think he's had a solid career, but um, I definitely think that, you know, and he's, you know, we're going to see what happens year three. He had the injury um, and different things have transpired throughout his career. So, you know, we are looking for more from Denny Avias, such as, you know, finishing around the rim and improving his left hand. So I do, I do agree with your take that Johnny Davis would be the prospect with the most upside. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sam, I just want to thank you for coming on and thank you guys for making Lockdown Wizards your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on NBA from the first jump ball of the tournament of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the NBA finals. Locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Um, so Johnny Davis, one thing to get excited about too is talking about commercials and he's very <laughs> marketable too. Uh, I know he's probably making some here's Johnny t-shirts as we speak. Um, yeah. but Sam, is there anything that you have to plug and uh, who do you have winning the NBA finals? I was just going to add on to that real quick that I think if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen this, but uh, when Nikola Jokic was drafted, it was during a Taco Bell commercial right. too. So maybe that uh, that luck from Taco Bell carries over <laughs> to Johnny Davis. Um, in terms of plugging stuff, I you can follow me at Draft Dummies. All my uh, links to whatever work, whatever podcast I do, plus uh, – I post a lot of stats, a lot of thoughts, a lot of clips on prospects. And I actually am going to post after we finish this episode. I did an interview with the G League Ignite head coach, Jason Hart. So he gave me some fun insight into all the G League or Ignite prospects, which was a really fun interview. If you want some behind the scenes on guys like a Dyson Daniels, a Jaden Hardy, and a Marjan Beauchamp, that is going to be coming up. And I contribute on the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Yep. Make, yeah. Make sure you guys check it out with these guys. You know, Sam is definitely putting a lot of good work out, a lot, a lot of work in, and great insight on college prospects. I learned a lot from Sam and a lot of the guys on, on NBA Big Board, Locked On NBA Big Board. Just want to thank you guys for listening. Everybody have a good weekend. Hail to the Wizards. Peace.